The following lecture by Rabbi Yitzchak Ginsberg was recorded live and is presented to you free of charge by Galina Institute. Your donation will help us to bring an ever-expanding selection of quality audio lectures by Rabbi Ginsberg. Galina Institute is a non-profit organization and all donations are tax-deductible in the USA. To donate, just click on the Donate button on the Inner Dimension homepage at www.inner.org www.inner.org or email us at inner and inner.org. Good afternoon, everyone. This afternoon, we're going to talk about the uh, Torah and art and the creative process. There are many different arts. There are the visual arts, there's music, drama, all kinds of different arts. The common denominator of all the arts that in Hebrew, we want to understand the concept, so we uh, first meditate upon the name of the concept in Hebrew. The word for art in Hebrew is Omanot, includes all of the all of the various arts, and it comes from the same roots as the word Emuna, which means faith. Meaning it's a very essential, strong connection between faith and art. The word that means truth also is from the same root in Hebrew, emet. The root is alus ben nun. Like when you say amen after every blessing, that we make a blessing, we answer amen. That's the root, alus ben nun. It means faith, and also is the root of truth. And one of the associated meanings that it has is art. As we find in its usage in the Song of Songs, Masayyid the Aman, the workings of the hand of the artisan, of the artist, Aman. Now in the Hasidut, in the meditation upon the relationship between uh, faith and art, the simple, uh, the simple uh, meaning is that art is ultimately intended to be our expression of our faith the simple thing that when a person does any art that he is involved with once more whether it's a visual or music or grammar any art the art is his physical expression of his deepest point of the faith in his heart but from faith from simple faith until actual art in the real world with objective art so there are several stages all of the stages are related to different meanings of that very same root Amman which means originally means faith but ultimately it means art so the first thing will examine four different meanings and this itself is a process of uh, of spiritual evolution from the deepest point of one's faith to one's exp- actual expression of that faith with his hands or some other way that he expresses the faith in, in art. The first meaning that, uh, that is associated with this root out of Ben-Nun, the best way to, to state it in English would be strength it means strength, it's one of the many synonyms for strength, but it means strength of conviction. 
the person believes in something, so you can believe in something uh, uh, passively, you know, you can believe in something that doesn't make a very strong uh, effect on your daily life. Or a person can be very, very strong in his conviction about something, that he's not going to move an iota from his faith, and it's going to lead him and direct him throughout his life's path. The origin of this, uh, of this meaning of faith in the sense of strength, a very strong spiritual strength of conviction, is a verse in Isaiah that reads, the full phrase is, Eitzot merachok emunah omen, which translates literally, counsels from afar, very strong conviction. That's the phrase from Isaiah. Eitzot merachok, the word Eitzot means advice or counsel. Merachok means from afar. Emunah omen. Emunah omen is a double usage of a word in order to give it more power and strength. Meaning very strong strength of conviction regarding those counsels from afar. What does it mean, counsels from afar? Itzot mirachok. Emunah omen. Meaning that the, this very strong strength of conviction is coming from the counsels from far away. Far away means the distant, infinitely distant, what we'll called the past. What, what took place in the infinitely distant past? We're taught in the Midrash that we, the, the souls of Israel, were the counselors of God whether or not to create the world. For art, the, when we speak of art, so just like anything any concept in, in Yiddishkeit and Judaism, we try to think of how that applies to God himself. So very clearly, and also this is the, uh, the meaning of the verse in, in the Song of Songs that we put it before Masiyah Da'aman, relation to God, the work of creation, the, the whole world that we see around us is, is his art. God, the creator's works of art. All the sounds that we hear is his music. Everything that we see with our eyes is his it's his visual arts. All the drama of creation is his dramatic arts. Everything is his arts. The all of creation is a work of art, of God's art. Before creation, as it were, this is what we're told, the sages tell us, that God himself had to make the, the decision whether or not to create the world in the first place. So just like any king, a king only, only makes a decision after consulting with his counselors. And so it says, And who did Hashem, did God take counsel, whether or not to create the world? The souls of Israel, the souls, the souls of the righteous of Israel. Meaning that we were there, this is based on the verse in Chronicles that says, with the king we sat there in the ancient times and in times far, far away together with the king in the beginning of his act and actually his decision to, to create the word king itself means to take counsel 
the word in Hebrew that means to rule, a king, melech, in, as a verb, in the passive form, means to take counsel, lehi melech. So one of the phrases, benimim lach, the king, in whom did he take counsel? In order to be a king, there's something essential about being a king, that a king takes counsel. In whom did the king of kings, the Holy One, blessed be, take counsel? With, with the origins of our souls. Meaning that we were the ones that motivated, or we'll say, we were, what does it mean we were the ones? God is one, is absolutely one. As though to say that the origin of the soul is that counsel, that decision, or that motivation within God Himself to create. What is ultimately each and every one of our souls? Our soul itself is the divine motivation to create. It is not to withhold, not to restrain from creating, to go ahead and create. That's the origin of the soul itself. Right. So that counsel that we gave God, whether or not to, to begin in his act of creating the world, which is his act of art, of that it says, Eitzot Merachok, counsels from afar. Meaning that the beginning of a, of a Jew trying to produce, to create art, is to remember that far away ancient counsel that he gave, that I gave God to create the world. That's where it all begins from. So we have to begin from the from the source. And the source is our giving Hashem the decision and the motivation to go ahead, as we'll say, to get up and create the world. Right, so that's a very, very strong uh, conviction. And to see infinite ramifications of that decision to create with all of the trials and tribulations that we experience in our world. It was all taken as it were into consideration and the Khatriba Ripa, that's the expression of Hasidus, we're going to go ahead and create the world. So this is the first the first level of of the meaning of faith. The second meaning of faith is faithfulness or trustworthiness or we'll call it reliability. That if a person makes a promise or begins to enact he is convicted, this is also conviction, to go ahead and be trustworthy and to be honest and reliable to continue something to its culmination, to its consummation. Just like in every mitzvah, that when we perform a, perform a commandment, just as in a mitzvah, that every mitzvah is called only after he who concludes who finishes the mitzvah from beginning to end. This second interpretation of emunah, emunah means be amin, like if, if I say in Hebrew, a, a person is, is a reliable person, let's say I'm trying to uh, 
to understand or analyze a personality. You can say for the sake of a shidduch, or some other reason that I'm asking about a person. Is this person, in Hebrew I would say, is this person amin? To be amin means, is this a reliable person? So that concept of reliability is the second meaning of this root aman. At first a person has a very strong conviction to do something, to go ahead and to begin to begin the process. The second stage is is this person reliable to to continue on and to conclude, even to overcome obstacles in his way, because they're going He's going to face many obstacles in his until the work is properly concluded. As everybody knows that when a person starts to, uh, to create something, whether it's just a simple drawing or a composition, a musical composition or a drama or anything that he does, he can have a very good idea and a very strong uh, decision to, to begin and to go ahead. The question is, will he be able to take it until its consummation or not? That reliability of continuing on until the end, that's the second meaning of Amman. The third meaning of Amman is Milashon Omen, Omenet Hadasa. Well, the first meaning, if whoever of us knows a little bit of Hebrew, is called Emuna Omen. Omen is an idiom and a synonym for very, very strong strength. So, the second is aminut, which is trustworthiness or reliability. Aminut, amin, others men yud nun. The third, once more, the amin means can I believe in him? A person is reliable. This root means uh, faith and belief. Is this a person, is this a soul that I can believe in him? The first level, again, if we're going back to prehistory, so the first level was our giving Hashem the counsel to, to decide to create the world. Or the motivation within the Creator Himself. But then Hashem also needs us to participate with Him. We gave Him the counsel, but we also have to help Him do it, to bring it about. So are we reliable? As we gave him this Eitzah, Tova, are, now we gonna, are we going to do our part to make it become realized as Hashem desires, which was our, like our fault, as we could say, that the whole world is our fault. And if the world is our fault, so are we reliable to do as much as we can do to, to correct what needs to be corrected. That's the second, the second uh, meaning of, of Amman. The third meaning of Amman is to bring up or to raise, to educate a child. As it says of Mordechai and Megillat Esther, Esther, a tutor or a pedagogue that raises, takes care of someone is called an omen, a nurse. To nurse or to take care or to bring up a child, to raise, to raise a child, 
is called Omen. So this means that not only are we reliable that we're going to do our utmost, but there's something, an emotional base that brings up a child like a mother. It brings up a child and demands a tremendous depth of emotion. It's for a symbol of care. It's not just that I have a responsibility to do something, I do it by rote or just because I have to do it. I really care in order to raise a child. I have to care for the child very, very deeply. That care for caring for someone. Just once more, let's think about now we're creating a, a picture. An artist is, is, a, is drawing a picture. That drawing of the picture can take him weeks, maybe months, until he completes the, the picture that he's drawing. Let's say a musician is made, a composer is composing composition. The composition can take him months and months. A big composition. So first you have to have a very strong conviction to, to begin in the first place. He has his reliability, we'll call it his response, sense of responsibility towards that creation. But not only is it enough that he is responsible, he has to have a very deep emotional place in his heart that he's going to now this this picture or this composition is like a, an infant he has to take care has to feel care for this for this work of art he has to bring it up once more just like a person brings up a child that's the third meaning to bring up a child also means to infuse into the child faith like it says, Queen Esther was given because Mordechai Hatzadik brought her up. This the word that used with this meaning of the word appears in Megillat Esther, in the context of Mordechai bringing up Esther, his niece, that she was an orphan, and Mordechai brought her up. So it says several times in Megillat Esther that she was brought up and that she was also infused once more the, the, the pun is very very clear that to bring up and faith and reliability all is very closely related and she became very deeply affected and infused with her faith because of the way she was brought up. Meaning that, that a, person begin, a person makes a decision to, to create something about a Jewish soul that the essence of a Jewish soul is the decision to create because we gave God that motivation to create and that were, that's our very essence to create art then there is the we'll call it the relatively intellectual commitment the commitment to be responsible, as responsible as we can be to fulfill that, or to help God fulfill the creation. But then there's an emotional, an emotional uh, contact or connection to that creation that I have. That the emotional, the emotional connection to the creation 
is Mechadesh innovates the fact that I infuse the creation itself with my faith. That my faith permeates, goes into the painting, into the into the canvas, into the composition. As one of the first two stages was just in myself, obviously the the creating process has begun. But this is now bringing it up once more, giving it, giving the creation my faith. The final meaning of faith is, is as we said before, is the final work of art itself. What comes out at the end. And what comes out at the end is the full consummate expression of that faith. So these four stages that we now just described, whoever is a little bit familiar, they correspond as to as does any process in Kabbalah to the four letters of Hashem's name. Just we'll go back to the emotional part, which is the bringing up, the raising the child, bringing up the work of art. So that very clearly corresponds to the to the emotions of the heart especially to the first emotion which is love that that emotion of love is what brings things up meaning that matures things and takes things to the end just like a mother or a father or a parent it's, you have to be take care of your ch- children for many many years sometimes for tens and tens of years for decades you always have to be concerned and taking, taking care and taking care is bringing something up with once more with the conscious or unconscious intention of infusing all of your faith, your belief system into his way of life or into the work of art's essence. The, the commitment to do what as much as I can, like this, the famous expression of the Rebbe, do everything you can possibly do to, the Rebbe was referring to bring Mashiach now. But now we're talking about creating something. The strength of conviction to create, that's the essence of the Yud of Hashem's name, Kulam Asita. That's the point. The point of the counsel that we give the Creator, we give the Creator within ourselves. We all have a spark of that Creator, and we give counsel to that spark of Creator to now begin the creative process of art. Then we are responsible, we have to be responsible, reliable, and trustworthy to do our part to the utmost. Obviously, those two first interpretations and meanings of the root Aman are a pair. They go together, like called father and mother. Then when the mother actually emotionally brings up and raises her child, that corresponds to the emotions. The final work of art that, that is produced, that's the Malchut, the Taqlid, the end product of any process in Kabbalah is always the final Hayyab Hashem's name Malchut, once more the first two 
stages are the Yud and the first day of Hashem's name. The emotional commitment in bringing up and raising, that's the Eval of Hashem's name. And the final product is the the art itself, the work of art itself is the final Hay of Hashem's name. Right, so this was model number one, just in order to introduce the, the topic of the artistic process or the creative process. And it's all based on the root Aleph Menun, from faith to its ultimate expression, which is the work of art that comes out of the faith. We know that all great artists always, from time memorial, expressed their, the whole purpose, even the conscious purpose of the art was to give expression to faith, whether it be true Jewish faith or the Havdil, some other faith. But that is always what art is about. So obviously for, for, for us, for the Jewish people, our expression of art is to give physical expression, sensual expression, to the depth of our faith in one simple God. The fact that we believe in just one God that has no form whatsoever, no body, and no image at all. So obviously that makes our art much more difficult than some other art based on some other belief system that has images in its belief. But our faith is without goof, udmuta goof. So it's the whole effort to produce art is in a certain way for the Jewish soul a paradox, paradoxical. Because how can we give sensual expression to faith which is totally and absolutely abstract in essence? Nonetheless, just like in the construction of the tabernacle, Bezalel, who was the greatest art, artisan of the, of, the, of the Torah. So he was able, he was successful to give expression to faith. He knew the secrets of creation. He knew how to permute the letters of the, of the Shona Kodesh of the Holy Tongue, just as did the Creator in creating the world. And that's the way he created the tabernacle. So actually the beginning of creation is the contact, our contact with the Holy Tongue, with the Shona Kodesh, with the letters of the Shona Kodesh, and with the music of, of the, how the Torah is sung, and with the drama that is in the Torah, because even though God is absolutely abstract, and has no body and no image whatsoever, but we have a Torah, the Torah is full of stories, it's full of drama. So definitely we have something to base ourselves on. But we must remember that for a Jew, art is a paradox. Because ultimately, once more, we're trying to express something that's coming from the ancient, ancient, primordial past, that God is absolutely echad, yachidom, yachad, one and only, and single and unique and has no form whatsoever and that's what we're trying to express, give expression to 
But so now we're going to go on to examine this is the uh, the essence of our talk this afternoon. Another very important model. Or actually, we're going to relate together two very important models in Kabbalah that will try to help us understand more of the creative process. How, from the primordial essence of God, one is able to arrive at a sensual work of art. One, we'll begin with a simple uh, idiom that's used throughout Kabbalah. Every process of creation goes through a three-stage process. There's another stage that is before the three stages that we'll presently describe. The three stages are called Nekuda Kav Shetach in Hebrew, which means point, line, and area. Meaning that there's a progression from zero dimension, from a point. Because everything begins with a point. Then the point becomes, point is zero dimension in mathematically. From the point derives a line. A line is one dimensional. And then from the line evolves a, an area. An area is two dimensional. Then the dimensions can continue to, to multiply themselves over and over again. But after three stages of, of this progression have been achieved, then what continues is, uh, is already implied by these first three stages, which are called point, line, and area. Even mathematically now, but it's just a relatively recent uh, uh, mathematical uh, proof, maybe a hundred years ago, that after reaching a plane, there's no more essentially new mathematical information. When a person is mathematically a point and a line and a plane, which is an area, is enough for all of mathematics to, uh, to describe. There's no chidush, there's no essential innovation in additional dimensions. So this once was a very important uh, paradigm in Kabbalah, which is called the Kudakav Shetach. So in a work of art, it's very clear that first I have to be with some point, and then the point has to develop into a line. The difference between a point is a point is just a, we'll call it a raw idea. A simple idea of what I want to do. A line is already physically, we call it a vector force. It's a direction how to proceed in order to realize this abstract idea that I have, which is the point that I'm trying to express. Just like you say, a person has a point. The point in his mind that he's trying to give expression to. So everything begins with a point. After there's a point, then you have to have a line. A line is some direction. How to achieve, how to project this point from my mind or from my inspiration, from my soul onto external reality. The area or the plane is that projection itself. When I have achieved and succeeded in projecting 
through the means of the line that point then I have arrived at an area a plane and this is a simple but very very basic uh, paradigm model in Kabbalah for any creative process at first there has to be a point then there has to be a line and then there has to be an area but before the point itself there is another concept which is an infinite an infinite great circle the circle also appears to be a plane just like when you arrive at the end of the plane but this circle is an abstract circle it's a circle that is before the point the point is just a condensation or contraction of the infinite light of the circle before the process of creation can begin it's just as we said before if we consider this obviously just a model that God's omnipotence which is called Kol Yachol is this great circle in that omnipotence he had to decide to begin to create and that process of beginning to create had to begin from some point in order to to contract his infinite light to a point that required once more this counsel that he took with the souls of the tzaddikim which are the souls of the Jewish people which are our souls from this great circle came a point a point which at the outset called the Motza Nekudat Motza the term in Hebrew of the creative process after there's a Nekudat Motza a point of outset then there can be the line and the area at the end which is the culmination the realization meaning that if I and my soul want to develop and nurture the creative process which is which every Jewish soul possesses but it has to be nurtured just like we said before one of the meanings the third meaning of a man is to bring something up to raise something which means to nurture something so one very potent meditation is trying to go through this process in my mind very simple these are simple geometric forms of first finding in myself this great circle and then contracting this great circle into just one point and then projecting that point onto the canvas we'll call it of reality and then seeing what or drawing the full picture which is the plane or the area which is the final result once more of the artistic or creative process meaning that for a Jew as we said before a Jew it's a very uh, the whole concept of art and creation is paradoxical because it's coming from absolute unity which is what's unique to our belief system that's why through all of the philosophic works ask the question how even relating to God himself if God is absolutely one how can plurality 
evolve and derive from absolute unity. This is a paradox. It's not clear at all. It's not obvious at all. It's a very, very one of the deepest philosophic uh, questions that are asked. One of the terms that's used as an idiom or a synonym for God's absolute unity that's undefinable is kol yachol, that He's omnipotent, meaning that He can do and He can also not do. Just like He is all powerful to do all. Is also able to do nothing. Since that level, which is called Yahoo, can either do all or anything, but at the very same time it can also just do nothing at all. And the nothing is absolute, doing nothing is equal, is absolutely equal as doing everything or anything. That's the level that has to take counsel with the souls of Israel whether to, to to say yes and not to say no because the yes and the no are one and the same however deep and, uh, and difficult it sounds a Jewish soul since each one of us is a part a very part of God so we also have some identity some deep down identity even before the act of giving counsel with the concept of, of omnipotence of kol yachol and to really begin to create is only first feeling that's proclaiming this, this great circle. The concept of circle throughout Kabbalah means equality. And in our, in our uh, context, equality means everything and anything and nothing. And everything or anything anything means anything also that I cannot even fathom and define because everything that we know is what was created what was not created and what could have been created we don't know at all so we have no way of defining it whatsoever once for everything and anything that could ever be and also nothing is all one one and the same that's the real meaning of omnipotence, which is called Yahoo. And we have to find some to begin in truth to create. We have to link ourselves to that level, that great circle. And it, to that great circle, as far as on our mind, we have this great circle of omnipotence. And then to begin to contract that circle into one point of a decision to once one a, a kernel idea of yes I'm going to do something I have an idea already of what I'm going to do and then from that point once more can evolve a line and finally an area, a full area in Kabbalah we look at the beginning of the Torah and another very beautiful and important model appears which is parallel to the model of points, line and area. That's the way, or the stages, in which Hashem created the first context of reality, which is the Garden of Eden, before the primordial sin of Adam and Chava began Eden. 
And we know that Hashem created the garden and He placed Adam and Eve in the garden. But before the garden there was another level that we find it explicitly related to in the Torah, which is called Eden. Eden. But then there's an intermediate level. It's also written in the Torah, in the beginning of the Torah, between Eden and the garden. And that's called the river. In Nahar Yotzemi Eden, Agan, it says that a river came out of Eden to water the garden. So the Torah, the way the Torah recites, relates it, it just draws it, pictures it, it's very clear that there are three stages here, three explicit stages, which are Eden, and then a river coming out of Eden, and finally a garden. I said this after all of the uh, introductory thoughts that we've explained. This is not going to be the basic model that we're going to try to explain this afternoon relating to art. Because every work of art, whether it's song or painting or sculpture or drama, is creating a garden. Right, the final result is the garden. After the garden has been created, then you can take people to place them in the garden and and uh, and enjoy the garden. Just like God, after he created the garden, so now he has this garden that's this beautiful work of art, the most beautiful, splendorous work of art imaginable. And now he his his two this newly created born couple of Adam and Eve he places in the garden in order to also to nurture the garden but simply to enjoy to enjoy to infinitely enjoy the fruit and the beauty of this garden which is God's work of art how do I know that God, the concept of God in the Torah is the ultimate work of art, which is the Masayyadeyad Amman, Akkadosh Baruch the Creator, because the word in Hebrew, garden, gan, is also the basic root of Nikina, which means melody, and also the basic root of Gvanim, of Gon, which means hue or color. That's more the, the spectrum the word Gan in Hebrew, garden, means at once a full spectrum of all possible colors and hues. And it also means Nigina, which is all possible melody. So there's no more perfect word for a consummate work of art than a garden. Obviously, gardens also are plays that you play in. That's plays, playwriting. So, once but there can't be a more beautiful and all-inclusive image for a work of art than creating a garden. But the garden has to be watered. And the river comes out of a, another mysterious origin, which is called Eden. And Eden is not there in the garden, someplace else. It's in some mysterious place. 
So these three stages of Eden, Eden, and the river coming out of Eden, then finally the garden that it waters with its trees, its tree of life, its tree of knowledge, and all the other beautiful things that are in the garden. These, this is the most important model in the, in the Torah, in the beginning of the Torah, of our three-stage process, which is called Nekuda Kavshetach, which is point, line, and area. But our point is the initial point of inspiration, or the, the idea, and then the idea of creation, and then the projection of the soul and the is also the inspiration how to proceed towards the realization of the idea that's the line and then finally the area is the creation itself the work of art itself so Aden the concept of Aden Eden is the point and the river is the line which is the projection the flow the flow from the point to the area, and the garden is the area. So this is a very, very essential concept in throughout Kabbalah and Chassidot, that every work of art has to begin with Eden, and then there has to be a river that comes out of Eden, a flow, because if you have an Eden, a beautiful abstract idea, just an arousal in your soul then what has to now happen is that a river has to, has to emit, come out of that Eden and that river waters and nurtures the garden but we said that before the point there has to be a great circle even above the point that great circle is pure and absolute omnipotence. As we said before, that omnipotence means everything and anything and nothing, all one. That level, in relation to this model of Eden, of Eden, Nahar, and Dan, is called Kedem. Kedem. As the verse once more, this is explicit from the beginning of the Torah, the verse says that Hashem planted Gan Be'edin Mikedem, a garden in a greater context or, or mysteriously circumscribing the garden was Eden. The garden is not Eden, but Eden is up there in some mysterious way surrounding the garden. It's just a point. But it's hovering around the garden. From that Aden to the garden there has to be a river that descends. As the verse goes on to say, Meaning it's not the same place. But above Aden itself, it says there's another place which is Kedem. Now Kedem means just primordial reality. It also means the east. It's like the far east. Kedem. But it's the same word that is used in relation to God Himself. God is referred to as Kadmonosholam. God is not referred to as Eden, nor as the as a river, nor as a garden. The Eden and the river and the garden are stages of God's creating reality. 
But God is referred to as Kedem, because Kedem means the primordial one. Kadmon Oshodam, Kadmon Nechol Hakedumim. There's a phrase in, in Kabbalah and Chasidut. The primordial of all, of all primordials. Kadmon Nechol Hakedumim. So this is Kedem. Now we'll, before continuing, we'll not make a parenthetical uh, uh, observation which is based on a numerical relationship when all of these words are used explicitly all together in the story of the creation of the Garden of Eden that's why we say the Garden of Eden also in the Torah we say Gan Eden Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden but as we see the Garden of Eden are two different levels all together normally just now just in order to orient orientate ourselves Aden, the point of Aden is usually Chokhmah and Kabbalah. The river is Bina. As Bina descends down through the six attributes of the heart. And then the garden is Malchut. That's the normal explanation. Kedem is Keter. It's more the normal explanation of these terms vis-a-vis the Sphiriatic model of Kabbalah is that Kedem the primordial essence is the unknowable head of the crown. The crown is the superconscious. The initial point of consciousness, which is wisdom, is called Aden, Eden. Then the river that flows out of Eden is Bina, and it flows through all of the six attributes, the motive attributes of the heart. And then finally it reaches the garden, which is Malchut. Is the normal explanation of these concepts. That's why they're all used together. If we say now, if the normal uh, term is Gan Eden, the Garden of Eden, so according to this understanding, we're connecting Malchut and Chokhmah, the area and the point. The area is coming from the point. Not mentioning the river which is in between. The first observation that it says in Kabbalah is that all of these three levels come from a, a much deeper level in the soul than Chokhmah and Pina and Malchut. And this is based upon the initial letters the acronym which is formed by writing the three initial letters of Eden, Nahargan, Eden and the river Nahar and the garden, that they spell a very important word which is Onek. Onek means pleasure, divine pleasure. Now Onek itself is the Pnimut of Keter, the inner dimension of the crown itself of the superconscious so this is observation number one that even though in general Aden is identified with the point the point of insight of this initial idea of creation and then there is a projection of, of life force towards its realization which is the river and then finally the garden itself which is the full spectrum of color and the full melody of song and the full play of reality 
of divine reality in the context that God wants in the scene that God wants this play to take place in when these three words Aden, Nahar and Gan which spell Onik the initial chapter is all pleasure the fact that it, all, that it spells pleasure it, it, it makes very uh, simple and good sense because obviously this whole this whole process is pleasure it's pleasurable Eden and the, and the river and the garden and so it's all for the sake of pleasure but the fact that it spells pleasure Onik means that it's coming it's not just Chochma and Bina and Malchut it's coming from Pnimiyotah Ketra it's reflecting the inner dimension of Ketra but now let's go one step further to calculate the, the values of these words of these three words so the first word which is Eden Ayin Dalad Nun equals 124 the second word which is Nahar Nun Hei Reish equals 255 and the third word Gan Gimun Nun is 53 so if we add those three numbers together 124, 255 and 53 so you'll see that they equal together 432 but now let's divide it by 3 in order to find what is the average value of these three words Aden, Nahar Gan Eden and the river and the garden so if you divide 432 by 3 you'll see that it equals 144 but 144 is Kedem is the primordial essence that's above Eden itself the primordial essence of the omnipotent one the Kadmon Lecholaktumim and that number itself 144 is a perfect number because it is 12 squared where does it first appear in the Torah? It's the 144 letters of Shabbat in the story of creation. Parashat Vayichudah that we say every Friday night at the beginning of Kiddush has 144 letters because Shabbat, the primordial Shabbat, is the level of, of Kedem. Shabbat is a day that we don't actively even construct the tabernacle. Because Shabbat is returning once a week to that omnipotence of everything and anything and nothing. That's why there are Kedem Otiyot in Parashat Shabbat. So once more, Kedem is 12 squared. But the other three words, Eid, Nahar, Gan, are just three times. They're three manifestations. In some way, they're all three manifestations of Kedem. If I now have all four levels, Kedem, Oneg, Kedem, Eden, Nahar, Gan, that there's a family name in Hebrew called Kenig that's, that derives from the initial letters of these four, of these four words. That's where the name Kenig comes from. Whoever knows anybody that's called, has that family name. Kedem, Rashi Kedem, Eden, Nahar, Gan. So it equals 24 squared, because 4 times the square number is also a square number. As for the 3, were the average value of the 3, Eden, Nahar, Gan, itself was Kedem. 
And now adding another Kedem, which is the origin of it all, is four times. So if the three are the Rashi vote, the initial letters are only, which is pleasure, what is above pleasure, or what is the essence of, or what we'll call it the unknowable pleasure in this world, the pleasure which will only reveal itself in the world to come, that's pure and simple faith. Now, what we're now coming to this uh, stage of our discussion of, of art and the creative process that basically art is the tikkun of the pneumut of Keta, which is called partsuf atik or atik or minen that has in it simple faith and pleasure and experiential empirical pleasure but above the pleasure is unknowable pleasure which is simple faith as Kedem is the essence of the faith and the essence of the contact with God's level of Kol Yachol Kol Yachol is all able Little, little translation of the term Kol Yachol, which means God's omnipotence. Obviously, His omnipotence also is omnipresence. But then that Kedem now reveals itself in these three stages of Eden, Nahar, Gan, which all are onik. As we said before, in general in Kabbalah, Eden is Chokhmah, and the Nahar is Bina, and Gan is Malchut. But we're taught that the partsuf of Atikamin permeates all of the partsufim of the world of Atzibut. Meaning that the that, that pleasure which is manifest in all of the levels of Chokmah and Bina and Mahut, that is the true meaning of these three stages which are called Eden and the river and the garden. Once more, Eden is Chokhmah, and the river is Bina, including the Midot, and the garden is Mahut. But now, but we said it is all pleasure. Pleasure is Pnimita Keter. Pnimita Keter is the inner life force, or the inner soul of the whole world of Atzilut. Meaning that an artist, let's try to get back to a simple artist, but once more, whether you take visual, visual or music or or whatever form of art one is produced trying to create so art is basically two things it's faith and pleasure but the first thing that we said the first part of our talk was the four levels of faith of realizing and giving expression to faith now we're saying that it's faith and pleasure which are themselves two levels of the inner dimension of the crown of the superconscious the faith is that pleasure is also pleasure it's just pleasure which is unknowable in this world that's why we call it faith and the pleasure which is knowable which isn't experiential in this world that's onik now that pleasure which is experiential in this world is what motivates us to create through the process, through the conscious process of wisdom and understanding until ultimately reaching Malchut. 
which are these three stages of Aden and Nahar and Gan. So now we'll go back and conclude with just one one more thought of how this how we should try to meditate upon this uh, this process. As we said, first a Jew has to feel in his in his faith a connection to the great circle of absolute equality of God's very essence, which means the equality of to do or not to do everything and anything and nothing. That's called Yahul. Now we're going to explain a, another idea. Wisdom, Aden is wisdom. Of wisdom it says, that wisdom comes from nothing. Even though in Kabbalah and Hasidot the sort of Kol Yachol that Hashem is all able, omnipotent, which implies that He can also not do just as He can, yes, do, that is called the Yesh Ha'amiti, the true essence or somethingness of divinity, of God. Yesh Ha'amiti. The point they just want a dimensionless point which is the outset of actual creation is called nothing, a point of nothing so now we said something a new, new idea altogether because up until now Aden was the point, like the idea, the kernel idea of what to begin to create. That the circle was just everything. Everything did not give one any sense whatsoever of what to do. Just once more, the everything of the Koyakol had to have counsel. The Eitzot Merachol came on Had to take counsel whether or not even to begin to create. Now we're saying another very important deep insight that the first stage with the pure emuna is in Hashem's absolute essence or something this is called Yesh Amiti of Kol Yachol Kol Yachol is called Yesh Amiti in Chasidot but in relation to that Yesh Amiti of Kol Yachol the point about the beginning point of creation is nothing it's a point of nothing because we know that every creation begins something from nothing meaning there is something once more paradoxical that the first point of creating of now I'm going to begin actually creating is a point of nothing it's not a point of something the absolute something was before Yesh Amiti was the level of Kedem but this great infinite circle of total equality in order to come from that Yesh Amiti to the Ayin to the point of nothingness which actually begins the creative process so something even deeper in Hashem's essence than Kriyachor has to be called upon 
That's called the Ayin Ha'amiti. The Ayin Ha'amiti is not that Hashem is omnipotent. It's more the fact that Hashem is omnipotent and that I also as a Jew have to contract to feel that omnipotence even in myself. I'm saying a very, very deep psychological thing is to be a real artist, like a really great artist. As we know, great artists are on, are on the verge of insanity. <laughs> and the reason that a really great artist is on the verge of insanity is because he feels omnipotence. And if he feels it too strong, <laughs> And, uh, and not in a rectified way, then he just passes over to the other side of, uh, of sanity, as happens to very talented artists, as we know from history. To begin to create, that omnipotence has to reduce itself to an infinitesimal point of nothingness, vis-a-vis that previous sense of omnipotence. Where does that power, how, how does, where does that come from? That comes from something deeper even than omnipotence, which is Ein Od Because God is either Kol Yachol, He's either all able, which is omnipotent, which is called the absolute somethingness of God, even though it includes in itself the ability not to do together simultaneously with the ability to do. But that which is deeper than that, Kol Yachol, is Ein Od Midabado, that there's just nothing else exists whatsoever. I mean, that anything that I can say is like the absolute uh, concept of the Rambam of Madhadis in regard to Hashem which is called knowledge through pure negation anything that I can identify no matter what even omnipotence is something which is is not Him meaning that for me it's just absolute it's called the true nothingness because I can't point at anything whatsoever even to say that Hashem is omnipotent. Now from that true nothingness comes the power to contract the true somethingness to be in my own psyche a a point of nothing. Now that point of nothing in Kabbalah is called the Nekudat Arashimu the impression which remains after Hashem's infinite light vanishes. And it's just like a a seed rotting in the ground that it reaches a state of nothingness but it doesn't really vanish it's just in order to sprout it has to become nothing it doesn't absolutely disappear and vanish nonetheless it's called that it has reached a state of nothingness what does this mean psychologically this is the deepest thing we're trying to understand today once more, if a person is out of balance in his sense of omnipotence, then he can just go off the, the other side. So he has to have 
even a stronger sense of nothingness. Once more, the nothingness has to overpower the omnipotence, has to be more powerful than the all-powerful. The initial idea of creating only comes from a moment of being nothing. A person, you're in this, identified with this great circle of Kedem. You're in the primordial level of Kedem. In order to reach Eden, Eden, there has to be a experience of nothingness. And from that nothingness comes the insight of what to begin to create. And this is Jewish creation. It's ultimate, ultimate psychological process of creation, which pictures and mirrors God's creative process. So the first level is called the Yeshamiti, the Koyachor. Then the second level, which is that's Kedem. Aden is Ayin, is a point of Ayin. All of you know. Then comes the river and the garden. The river and the garden, in the terminology of uh, Kabbalah and Hasidot, have two very simple words for them. They're called Tzura V'chomer, form and matter. Form, everything has its form to it. Form is the river that comes out of Eden. Matter is the garden itself. The relation between form and matter is like line to area. If the point, now whoever is a little bit familiar with the stages of creation in Kabbalah, the point is called the point of the impression of God's infinite light that was left over, as it were, after the contraction, the disappearance of the infinite light took place. Then comes a line. That line, which is the line that comes out of the point, because it appears as though it is coming out of the point, that Kav and Sof, which is called Or and Sof Hanamalekolamin, the imminent light of God, that's the river. Once more, the river is God's imminence. That's called the Kav, the line. And that goes on to become the soul of reality. The garden is all of the worlds that God created, beginning from the first world, which is called the primordial man, Adam Kadman, that's also the garden. So that's the area. That's the matter. Obviously, matter itself has many, many different levels to it called kilim, vessels, but the light, which is the tsura, the form, that is the line. So once more, before, up until now, we just said the line is the vector projection towards the canvas. But now we're saying more so that the line is inside, it's always inside to give life, it's the life force within the picture that is being drawn. 
just like the, the river comes to continuously water to water the garden means to give life for us continuously to the garden once uh, someone in Echidus in the private uh, council with the Rebbe asked the Rebbe had he, so to speak the audacity a little bit to ask the Rebbe what the Rebbe is how the Rebbe serves God what is his service of Hashem so he answered uh, very simply that my service of Hashem is Hagbaras Hatsura Alachim Hagbarat Hatsura Alachim he said that I serve God by continuously giving force to the form form over matter that there's a place in Hayom Yom in the collection of sayings for every day of the year that also it says that Chasidut is the the divine way of living that is always is not negate never negates matter but that always the form should be in the matter and the form should be should direct or direct be the force the life force should truly be a life force within the matter that's called Hanbarata Tzura Alachomer so this one time the Rebbe himself said that this is my the way that I serve God by Hanbarat Hatzura Alachomer the relation of Tzura and Chomer is, is very often in Kabbalah Chazirut a male-female relation meaning that the garden is the female that's the Tachlis the work of art itself the beauty of the final product of the art is the woman but the river that is flowing into it and enlivening it and giving it form is the, is the male component but the Tachlis is the, the female expression Meaning that now we have a, a final way of meditating upon this uh, process of emunah and oneg, that the oneg then becomes the chokhmah and the bina and the machut, that there is a, from the absolute somethingness, which is called kedan or koyachol, comes a point of ayin. And then the ayin, the nothingness, has to project from itself form, which enclose itself in matter. Now in order for form to enclose itself in matter, there's an expression in Kabbalah, that the matter itself has to be, has to come into existence itself from the form, from the condensation or the thickening, the concept in the, the phrase in Kabbalah in Mehit Abut Ha'orot Nit from the thickening of the condensation of the lights came into existence the vessels meaning that the matter itself comes from the, is actually created from the form even though it has its own origin in the point of the Rishimo, which is Gan Eden, the relation of Gan Eden, as we said before. The way to imagine this geometrically is that the line becoming area 
itself goes through, through two stages. First, if you have a line that wants to become now two-dimensional, a line is only one-dimensional. So, again, in our imagination, if that line is now intending to become two-dimensional, so first it becomes a triangle, and then it becomes a square. A triangle still has a projection to it, of called Hishtal Shalut. It's like the line desiring to become an area. It has an intermediate stage. Once more, think of the meditation. Very simple that we have this big circle. Also, the big circle. Try to go through the whole meditation. The big circle itself in one's mind has two stages to it. First, there's just this big infinite circle of absolute equality. Then we'll think, we'll meditate upon a circle appearing and disappearing, like flashing, flashing in and out, off and on. Small. We have first this big circle. Then the circle starts flashing on and off. And after it flashes on and off, enough, then all of a sudden it just becomes, it disappears altogether, and it becomes a point. Then the point projects a line, and the line wants to evolve into an area, but that <coughs> evolution into an area itself has two stages to it. One is first a triangle, is still like a, it's an area like a line because it's a projection still a square is no longer a projection at all it's just the, the full fledged body it's called the perfect interinclusion a square represents that every part is like a hologram that every part reflects all of its parts that's what a square means it's a perfect in state of interinclusion. So this is the the full process. And that the fact that the circle begins to flash on and off. The idiom for this is that circles sometimes in Kabbalah correspond to angels, and it says that there are two types of angels. There are those angels that Hashem created in the six days of creation, which exist throughout the six millennia of creation, from the beginning of end creation. There are those angels that are created spontaneously every day and do, and they appear and disappear. So there are angels, angels are circles, men's souls are lines. So in a certain sense, this, the creative process is beginning with, with an angelic state of consciousness and developing into a human state of consciousness, once more. Beginning as an angel and then becoming finally a human being, as God desires, because human beings are much deeper and more essential than our angels. 
once more there's a circle which is just a constant circle of Ani Havaya Lo I am God, I have not changed. That's Hashem's absolute omnipotence. Yesha Amiti. Then, due to the fact that really there's something even deeper than that, but that's absolutely unknowable, that's the absolute nothingness. So that circle itself begins to flash on and off. Those two levels are called Yechida and Achaya. Yechida is the Makif. Makif is a circle of Halachok, which is always there and never changes. The circle which flashes on and off, that's called the Chaya in the soul, which is Nogev, Eino Nogev, always appearing and disappearing. So the second level of the soul is also a circle, but it's a circle that appears and disappears. So we know that all of Chassidut came to reveal these two higher levels of the soul, the Chaya Yechida and the Baal Shem Tov, it's called the Balachai, received from the Balachai, which means the constant circle in the ultimate background of consciousness. And the more immediate circle, relatively in the front of consciousness, vis-à-vis the first circle, which is flashing on and off. But that's not yet the beginning of wisdom, of creation. It begins from a point. That the point has to become a line, and then the line has to become an area. And once more, the, the point is a, basically a point of nothingness. It means in the psyche, being nothing. See, being just nothing. The line is tsura. One of the readings of the word tsura, which means form, is rotse. It's will. Will has a vector force to it. The point of nothingness is called Reisha Da'ayin. The circle above is called Reisha Da'loyada Yada. It's called the unknowable head, that's Kedem. The Aden is ultimately the Reisha Da'ayin, the point of nothingness. The line is called Reisha Da'arich. Arich means long extended head, which is will, the power of will, which is extension. Then comes finally the matter itself, which is consciousness. So now, if we've followed what we just now said at the end, it's a, even a, a new, a new way of explaining or paralleling the model to the concepts of Kabbalah that we are supposed to have someplace in our uh, knowledge. That the crown itself has three heads to it. It's called the unknowable head and the head of nothingness and the, head, the long extended head. The unknowable head is Kedem and the head of nothingness is Aden and the long extended head is the Tsura or the Kav, the Nahar, the river. And then finally the garden according to this understanding is all of consciousness. That's why the Torah itself has 53 Torah readings, Sedrot, which equal garden, the whole Torah, which is all of divine consciousness, or right is one big garden. And the all of consciousness is the gun. The river is Arich, will, 
No. And Aden, that's the Tzura. Aden is the nothingness. And Kedem is the omnipotence about that nothingness. So, just once more to, get, to conclude, in creation a person has to be able to contact in, in his Jewish soul these, these senses. Deep, every, uh, the whole of Hasidus is based upon Hushim, a Jew is blessed with Hush, with senses. The first sense is the sense of Kedem, of primordial omnipotence. Then comes a sense of nothingness. Then form. Form is a direction, a vector towards matter. Matter is already experience or consciousness. What we've not concluded at the end is that matter is all of consciousness. The consciousness has in it this river that's flowing into the consciousness, giving it life force. We'll conclude with one more Gemakya. That if we take, I mean, these are the, the two basic words that the throughout Chazid Kabbalan, Chazidot, and even the early Sifrei uh, Mechkar before Kabbalan, Chazidot, the concepts of form and matter. As we said in the Hayom Yom, it says that Chazidot is the Hagbarat Hatzura Homer, that's what the Rebbe himself said about himself. This is my Avedos, Hagbarat Hatzura Homer. If you take those two words, Surah, like one more game after at the end, the Surah equals 301. And Homer is 248. 248 is like the 248 positive mitzvot of the Torah, Avraham, many other important things, Homer, 248. 301, Surah, and Homer, 248, together equal 549. But if we divide 549 by 9, explain why the why to divide it by nine? So you see that Surah and Homer together equal nine times sixty-one. But sixty-one equals Ayin. Meaning that if we have these three stages, we have now arrived at this that point, line, area are nothing, form, matter. Nothingness, form, matter. That, that point is the nothingness. The line is the form, and the area is the is the chomer, the matter. But altogether, the form and the and the and the matter are ten are nine times nothing. This is very similar to what we had before. Before we had that Aden, the Hargan, the average value is Kedem itself. There's something similar. It's not the same, but it's similar. That form and matter are just nine expressions of nothingness. It's all yesh me ayin. It's all still ayin. If we have not ayin at the top, ayin together with Surah and Homer, so we have ten times, a full array of ten times nothing. Ten times nothing is nothing and form and matter at the top of which you have koyachol but these ten times nothing 
in, in art, one of the most important mathematical things about art is called the golden section that I'm not now going to go into at length. But that number of ten times nothing, 610, is one of the golden numbers. We call it one of the numbers of love in the uh, famous Fibonacci series. Another one of those famous numbers is 144, which is Kedon. So whoever knows about that important series of numbers, which is the basis, one of the great basis is in the Torah of the aesthetic principle of art. So Kedem is 144, and Ayin Surah Homer, which is 10 times out of the 610, both of which appear in this important series of, of art in mathematics. So that was our, uh, our talk for, the, for this afternoon. We shall have Kedem and, and Aiden and Nahar and Gun. You have been listening to a lecture by Rabbi Yitzchak Ginsburg, recorded and presented to you free of charge by Galina Institute. Your donation will help us to bring an ever-expanding selection of quality audio lectures by Rabbi Ginsburg. Galina Institute is a non-profit organization all donations are tax-deductible in the USA. To donate, just click on the Donate button on the Inner Dimension homepage at www.inner.org www.inner.org In Hebrew, Galenai means, Open my eyes. These words are from the verse in Psalms, Open my eyes, that may behold the wonders of your Torah. Under the leadership of Rabbi Ginsburg, our goal is to open the world's eyes to the light of the inner dimension of Torah, to discover God, and to connect to Him in all that we do. As we learn from the Baal Shem Tov, spreading this light will hasten the complete and true redemption. We invite you to join the Galenite team and participate with Rabbi Ginsburg in learning, teaching, and spreading the inner dimension of Torah, Kabbalah and Hasidut. Together, the Galenite team will change the world, bringing God's loving kindness, health, happiness, and true peace to all. For more information about Rabbi Yitzhak Ginsburg's teachings and how to participate with the Galenite team, visit the Inner Dimension website at www.inner.org www.inner.org or email us at inner at inner.org.